Thank you, Jesus. Woo-woo. You guys may take a seat. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Thank you so much. How's it going, everybody? Boop, boop. I'll tell you who needs a real clap in here. Um, did anybody come for the second time since their Easter service? You deserve a clap. Oh. <laughs> well, if you're watching us online, we're clapping for you. Come on. <laughs> and you guys are always welcome to come and join us. So um, my name is Jacqueline Rodriguez. I'm a pastoral intern. Um, welcome to 9 a.m. service. As you know, our pastors are actually out of town. And so today I get to serve you guys by giving you the word that the Lord has given me in, the, in, our heart, in my heart. So who's happy to be at church? Amen. Amen. So I want to give you a little bit of a backstory as how I got to the place that I'm at today. Um, or the word that I'm going to bring. And that is... On the book of Jeremiah, chapter 12. If you guys ever read the book of Jeremiah, or if you guys ever um, read that part of the Bible, it's amazing. We're going to read through the whole chapter. But the reason I got here was because me and my husband were praying. And it's just something that we've been thinking about and sensing in the spirit here in the church. Um, and not just in the church, but individually as individuals, part of the body, right? And we believe that we are no longer in the season of asking God to open up doors. Have you guys ever been there where you're like, Lord, please open up this door. Lord, please, I want you to allow me to walk through this door. As a church, as a whole body, I feel like we are at a place where we're actually now able to walk through the door. And so that is the title of today. Come on. Isn't that amazing? It was like totally spot on. It was not... Um, What's it called? Um, planned, yes, with the song that they brought today, Des, wherever you are. That was such a good song about ask, what is it, ask? Knock, ask, and then the door will be open. Yeah, thank you. And so, <laughs> and so here we are, we're like, Lord, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, open up the door. But we are literally in the season of walking through the door, just like Jesus, when they rolled the, the, the stone, he walked out. And so you as a believer, we're walking out today. Amen? Amen. So if we can get the scripture up there, please. Now bear with me. We are going to read this whole chapter. It's going to be from verse 1 to verse 17. Okay. Let's get this started. It says like this. You are always righteous, Lord. When I bring a case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them, and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. Yet you know me, Lord. You see me and test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. 
The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. This is the Lord, um, God's answer. Verse 5, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Your relatives, your relative members of your own family, even they have betrayed you. They have raised a loud cry against you. Do not trust them, though they speak well of you. I will forsake my house, abandon my inheritance. I will give the one I love into the hands of their enemies. My inheritance has become to me like a lion in the forest. She roars at me. Therefore, I hate her. Has not my inheritance become to me like a speckled bird of prey? That other birds of prey surround and attack. Go and gather all the wild beasts. Bring them to devour. Many shepherds will ruin my vineyard and trample down my field. They will turn my pleasant field into a desolated wasteland. It will be made a, waste, a wasteland, parched and desolated before me. The whole land will be laid waste because there is no one who cares. Over, over all the barren heights and the desert destroys will swarm. For the sword of the Lord will devour from one end of the land to the other. One, no one will be safe. They will sow wheat, but reap thorns. They will wear themselves out, but gain nothing. They will bear the shame of their harvest because of the Lord's fierce anger. This is what the Lord says. As for all my wicked neighbors who seize the inheritance I gave my people Israel, I will uproot them from the land, and I will uproot the people of Judah from among them. But after I uproot them, I will again have compassion and will bring each of them back to their own inheritance and their own country. And if they learn, well, the ways of my people and swear by my name, saying, I am surely as the Lord lives, even as they once taught my people to swear by Baal, they will be established among my people. But if any nation does not listen, I will completely uproot and destroy it, declares the Lord. Amen. I hope you guys are still awake. I know that was a big chunk. Are we all good? Okay. Let us go verse by verse. So as we can see in that very first verse, the Lord, I mean, Jeremiah is very honorable how he starts, correct? He says, you are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you. But yet, this is where he, you could say he has a question. Jeremiah has a question. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. Do you guys know the definition of justice? That is the quality of being just, impartial, or fair. So Jeremiah right now is asking, I don't, I don't think you're that fair, Lord. I don't understand this. These are the next two questions he asks. He says, why do bad people prosper? Why do unfaithful people have peace? That's in my words. Here's what the scripture says. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all faithless live at ease? He's not understanding this. Can anybody relate? Have we not before asked the Lord, why do they have that? They're not serving you. You know, why does it look like they have so much more peace? 
Why do they have these big buildings in downtown? Why do they have so much money? Why are they allowed to do these big moves? And there's nobody getting saved in these locations that they do, right? We've, we've all been there. And so if, we, if, if Jeremiah would have stopped right there in that first verse, we could have said, well, he just had a question. And we've all been there. We've, we can all relate, right? But the title of this chapter is actually Jeremiah's complaint. He was complaining, guys. And this is what we're about to read. Verse 2. You have planted them. Jeremiah is saying, you, Lord, you planted them. You have taken them root, right? You're the one that gave them the ability to be rooted. You're the one that allows them to grow and be fruitful. Is that any of us today? Are we looking around and saying, you gave them permission, Lord. You're the one that allowed him to do that. You're the one that gave them all that money and all that inheritance. You're the one that gives them all that peace. Does anybody know the story of Jeremiah? He's known for the weeping prophet. But here is Jeremiah. The Lord called him, right? But what does he do the majority of the time? He's weeping out to the Lord. He's hurt. He's heavy burdened. He's always seeking him. And he's always, you can, you can imagine it, always in a place of humbleness and just torn apart for the city and the people to come to God. And he's like, man, God, you've called me. I know you're on my side. Yet all these people have all the money and all that peace. Right? They're so fruitful. And then let's continue reading. And it says like this. That, for, that second verse, it says, you are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. And I wanted to bring this example. Has anybody seen those um, Emmy Awards, awards, and the BET Awards, when they say, and I want to thank God, <laughs> right? Oh, but I want to thank God, because I could not have done that without him and my grandma in the back, right? <laughs> they always thank God. But see, here goes Jeremiah accusing God again, complaining against him. Let's continue to read verse 3. Yet you know me, Lord. You see me and test my thoughts about you. Drag me off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. So Jeremiah is saying, but I couldn't do that, Lord. Everywhere I go, I feel convicted. Everything I do, I can't watch this. I can't touch that. I can't see this. There's a conviction over Jeremiah, right? That's what he's saying. Now, you guys might not know this because you didn't read ahead or read before this, but in the last chapter, this is why Jeremiah is complaining. In the last chapter, God revealed to Jeremiah that they were actually trying to kill him. The very own people that he is crying out to the Lord for are planning to kill him. So you can kind of sense where Jeremiah is at. It's like, I'm, I'm over here crying out to you for them, and they're planning to kill me. And so he, he starts complaining to the Lord. A lot of the times, we also can 
fault in that. We, we think that they don't know that there's going to be any consequence for their actions, correct? Out in the world, people do whatever they want. Get up, don't really give thanks to God. At night, they go to club, they drink, sleep with different men, uh, do a lot of different things, right? I'm, I'm mostly connecting everything to my old past life, but connect it to your own life. You know the people that you used to be around with. You know who you were before you came to Christ. And if you are new today, then I pray that today will be the last time that you have to go back to your old life. But that's what Jeremiah is saying. It's like, God, they're doing this because there is no consequences for their actions. You're allowing them to do whatever they want. You're not bringing any type of punishment, any type of conviction over them. But not me, right? Talking about Jeremiah. Jeremiah is like, no, I'm, I'm convicted all the time. And then he's saying, when will it end? Are you guys ready to hear the answer that God has? We already read it, but let's read it again. It says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses if you stumble and save country? How will you manage in the thicket by the Jordan? Come on. What is the Lord saying? He's basically saying, if, you, if you're done with this, you're not going to be able to keep up. He's telling him there's more. And honestly, guys, as a church, as the body of Christ, if we've been through some stuff and you're still alive, the Lord is saying there's more. There's more things that you're going to go about. And so he's getting us ready. That's what he's saying. And then he, he gives an example here. It says, if you stumble and save country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? He's comparing this to a flood. If you're drowning right now, if you're like suffocating, how would you actually do it when the actual flood comes? That means we're not there yet. That means there's going to be an actual flood. There's something still coming. And that's what he's telling Jeremiah. Right? Let's keep it going. Verse 6. I think this is God's humor. Because here you have Jeremiah so heavy at heart, right? The Bible talks about that the mouth speaks what our, what our heart is full of. And here's Jeremiah just pouring out his heart. Like, I don't understand. Why? Why do I have to go through this? Why do, why do my eyes have to see this? And then the Lord wants to add to his pain by saying, your relatives, your members of your own family, because it seems like he was not aware of this. Even they have betrayed you. They have raised loud cry against you. Do not trust them, though they speak well of you. Come on, guys. Are you guys coming to the Lord with all your pain and heaviness? Because God will actually reveal that there's actually more than what you can see. There's more things surrounding you. There's more people that are speaking bad about you. Uh, there's a, a, a lot in our surroundings, right? Let's continue, verse 7. It says like this. I will forsake my house, abandon my inheritance. I will give the one I love into the hands of her enemies. My inheritance has become to me like a lion in the forest. She roars at me, therefore I hate her. 
Has not my inheritance become to me like a speckled bird of prey that other birds of prey surround and attack? Go and gather all the wild beasts, bring them to devour. So right here, from, from verse 7 to verse 9, what he's actually telling us is said. He will give them up to what their hearts desire. Everything that we are asking the Lord, whether it's through prayer and petition, and as the world, this is, this is not something that's only for Christian guys. If the world is knocking and seeking on whatever they are knocking and seeking on, the Lord will eventually open up the door and allow them to walk in. And that's exactly the times we're living in, right? What have we seen out in the world right now? If people want to be birds because they feel like a bird, they're going to act like a bird now, right? If they want to get married with a fence or a puppet, they're getting married with a fence or a puppet. Everything is possible right now. And so that's exactly what the Lord is saying. It's not that he's ignoring them. It's not that they're, that they're bearing such good fruit. They're fruitful, but it's not good fruit. So we must be mindful of that. And this is something that's not surprising to him, right? This is what I'm explaining what verse 7 through 9 say. It's not like God was so surprised by Jeremiah crying out to God. Um, God is not like, whoa, what? I didn't know. I didn't know they were being so fruitful and prosperous. No, this is not something that God is surprised about. He knows. And he will allow his people to be attacked. That's what he's saying. He's going to allow for them to be surrounded, for people to come and attack them. During this time, guys, it was, there was a lot of, um, we call it pueblitos, but you would say like tribes, yeah, like tribes, villages, towns. And so he's saying, I'm going to allow for other tribes, other lands to come and take over. I'm going to allow that. And so he's comforting Jeremiah by letting him know, none of this is a surprise to me. I'm going give to give them up to whatever they're asking me. And I'm, and I'm also going to allow for the enemies to come and attack him because there is, God's not protecting them in the way that he protects his people. Okay. Amen. Let's continue to verse 10 and 13 through 13. It says like this. Many shepherds will ruin my vineyard and trample down my field. They will turn my pleasant field into a desolated wasteland. It will be made a wasteland, parched and desolated before me. The whole land will be laid waste because there is no one who cares. Over all the barren heights and the desert destroys, and the desert destroyers will sworn. For the sword of the Lord will devour from the one end of the land to the other. No one will be safe. They will sow wheat but reap thorns. They will wear themselves out but gain nothing. They will bear the shame of their harvest because of the Lord's fierce anger. So he already knows that his own people are going to let him down. Remember, we're talking about all the people that Jeremiah is crying out to because that mission was given from the Lord. The Lord told Jeremiah, I want you to cry out. I want you to, um, 
you know, preach to these people, connect with these people, and bring them into salvation, yet he knows that they're not going to come. So some of you guys, the Lord is calling us to do things that are tough. And we have to understand that. Because he's telling you to do something doesn't mean that there's going to be a result that you expect. Right? Because Jeremiah is not expecting this. That's why his heart is heavy. He's like, why? Why is this happening? Why did you send me to go cry out for them? Why did you send me to go and be with them? Right? Um, Bring it, bring it back to the to New Testament. Paul would say to a Jew, be a Jew. To a Gentile, be a Gentile. Jeremiah had to do things to be amongst these people. And so it's not a surprise to God what, what's happening. But he, he, he knew that his people were going to let him down. And that his place, which he called a home, is going to be a wasteland now. Because nobody cared for it. Everything that they are bearing, would now, they would not even be able to enjoy it. Do we see it today, guys? We see it with the, everybody that, are, that is famous or that have big properties. We see it in the news. I mean, I, I think here in Chicago, we see a little bit of feel, a little bit of it because we don't know that industry. And we're not around them, unless you are. You probably know more than I do. I'm not around them, but I only know what's in the headlines, right? We only know what's in the news. We only know the ones that are suffering that, um, I, I, I don't know, I forget their names. The ones that killed themselves, the rappers, right? Extentacion, or was that overdose? Oh, he got killed. Okay, but there's a lot of them that I can't come to mind right now that have killed themselves. Um, and they have all that money, they have all that fame, and they have all that popularity, and they have everything what you would consider in this world to be prosperous, growing, and just, especially with social media right now, right? It's all about being trendy. So the Lord is, is telling him, like, trying to comfort him. They're not even going to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, they're being so prosperous, they're being so fruitful, but they're not going to enjoy it. And so that's, that's reality. That is reality. And so if you are here chasing the world, this is what your second, third warning, because that transition was wild. If that, not, if that did not sell you, we'll pray for you before you leave. All right, let's read verse 14 and uh, all the way to 16. It says like this. This is what the Lord says. As for all my wicked neighbors who seize the inheritance, I gave my life. I gave my people Israel. I will uproot them from their land, and I will uproot the people of Judah from among them. But after I uproot them, I will again have compassion and will bring each of them back to their own inheritance and their own country. And if they learn well the ways of my people and swear by my name, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, even as they once taught my people to swear by bow, then they will be established among my people. But if any nation does not listen, I will completely uproot and destroy it, declares the Lord. Amen. And so he's telling them once again that this is not by surprise. He knew that this was going to happen, and now he's making a promise. If they decide not to come, I will uproot them. There's still a chance, right? There's still a chance that the Lord is allowing them to come. And he's saying, I will uproot them and I will destroy them. And so God is making promises 
and, and he's always saying, uh, saying things to bring structure into everything that we are doing. And so this is where I want to bring it all in for the whole chapter, bringing it back to the beginning. I said, we're no longer in that season where we're knocking on doors, right, or we're asking the Lord to do something. We're actually in the season of walking through the door. And how does that work exactly? I think for us, for all of us, it looks different because we're all in different seasons, different parts of our lives. But it all kind of looks the same. And how is that? I'm so thankful for the church that it's so well structured. It gives you all the basics, right? That's the 101, and then we send you out to the 201. If you're not there yet, get there yet. Get there. That's the first step. Be discipled. Get structure. Be rooted. You want to be like the wise men that are out in the world? I think wise men is considered something bad, but you know what I mean, people that are wise. Um, then you got to be rooted, and you got to be put in the word of God, and that is in 101. Get discipled. Allow somebody in your life to take all that junk out. And throughout that season, we've all been there, most of us, right? Or some of us are still there. Ask a lot of questions, not just to your mentor, but to God. Jeremiah is asking, let's go back to that first verse, please. Jeremiah is asking questions to God. And this is chapter 12, guys. What happened in the first, 12 cha first 11 chapters of his life? The same thing with you. I'm still asking questions. I've only been saved seven years. But I'm still asking questions to the Lord all the time. We should never stop asking questions. And this is where it gets really good, is that because he asked this question, God answered. The problem is that a lot of us are just complaining. You're not asking a question. You're just complaining. And I saw this so clearly because it's so simple. I think because I'm a woman, it's easier to, like, think about these things. But you get up in the morning. You see that your house is a mess. Your child is screaming if you have children. Or you have so many things going on throughout the day. And it's like you got to do this, you got to do that. And your husband's hungry or you're hungry. And it's like one thing after the other. And you're not, you're not spending time with the Lord allowing yourself to listen first. You know, many of the times we are seeking that God, oh, just this time, Lord, give me another word, something to encourage me, something to help me keep going. And you do not need another word. You don't. Go back to that first word. Go back to that first time God met you. I literally go there every day. I have to. I have to remind myself who I was and what I did. And I'm thankful I'm no longer that. I have to do that. And that's you. That, that should be you. Is I'm no longer there. Praise the Lord. I get to thank you. Let me read you the scripture, and that's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. And it says like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This is what it's saying. If you believe in the Lord, you're going to trust him, right, with all your heart. And you're not going to lean in your own understanding, you're going to submit to him, 
and he will put your path straight. Let me tell you what it looks like. In the mornings, it might not be what you want to do. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It could be in the middle of the day. It could be at night. Whatever time you have, it's I'm intentionally seeking the Lord. If I have to wake up and wash dishes, if you have to wake up and go straight to work because you're late, I'm intentionally seeking the Lord in my mind. I'm driving to work. I get to work. I'm intentionally seeking the Lord. If you don't have a word in your heart because you didn't read the Bible that morning, think about the word you read yesterday. You're intentionally seeking the Lord. And because you're doing that, he is going to make your paths straight. And so even though you might not know where you're going or why you're in the job that you're in or why you're surrounded by all these people, he will make your paths straight. It's not you. The only thing you have to do is intentionally seek the Lord. Sometimes it's not your heart that wants that. Right? The Bible says transform your mind. It's your mind. Train your mind to seek him. Train your mind to remind yourself, I need him. And so I want to encourage you by not being somebody that's always complaining, always just saying, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. And he didn't do this or she didn't do this or I was expecting that and it didn't happen. Stop complaining and just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord and just remind, it's like literally, it's just small verses like that can change your whole world. Because those are the verses I hold on to, you know. Make everything, um, it's, this is the verse that I always hold on to. And it says, make the best of every opportunity. That for me has changed my whole life. And it's just one verse. But because, <laughs> because I remind myself of that, then it, it, it changes my path to, you know, we always wake up in the world. Changes my path to now be straightened it out with the Lord. Because I'm intentionally seeking the Lord. Okay. So no more complaining, right? Let's start asking questions. Why am I here? Why do I feel this way? And a lot of the times you can change the way you feel. And you can change your circumstance. If you're complaining about the house you got, get a new house. And if you don't know how to do that, then start looking in a way to get the new house. Does that make sense, guys? We make baby steps to get to the place that we want to be, to be happy. But happiness is actually right here, right now. Amen? Amen? Another one. Stop comparing yourselves to your neighbor, your family. uh, Don't compare your family to their family, your kids to their kids. Um, The way that you do life and the way they do life, because social media right now, I literally, see, I literally see my friends when they wake up throughout the day and then when they go to sleep because I follow a lot of them. And I, I like doing that. I, I love seeing my friends' stories. And I think most of us have friends, right, that we check up and be like, oh, what are they doing, you know? And so we don't compare yourself to them. This is, this, is, this is the most beautiful part is that God made you an individual. Like you're not meant to look like them. Your life isn't meant to look like them. My life is completely different to each and one of you, and your life is completely different to each and one of us. It's totally different, and that's why it's so beautiful, and we can live our own life. But this is a problem. We don't know who we are. 
and we lose ourselves in wanting to be other people or wanting to have other things like other people. And so don't lose yourself. Find your identity in Christ, right? goes hand in hand with seeking the Lord. He will put your path straight. And let me tell you this. The sooner you find your path as an individual of who you are, the sooner you do that, the sooner the body of Christ, you start walking with it. We all play a part, right? The Bible talks about some of us are the head, some of us are the arm, some of us are the leg, the feet. We all play a part, and the church is moving. The church is moving as you and as, as an individual. You move with it. You help us move, and so you find your place. Find your place wherever you feel led is calling you, whether that's a ministry or making a ministry. Let me tell you guys, not everybody is called to be a part of a ministry. A lot of you guys are called to build ministries. And, and so God, is, God, God does that in your heart. I know for me and my husband, if you guys have been involved with our lives, we love doing ministry, but we love building ministries. We have different ministries, and we like, you know, putting a little bit here with the young adults, a little bit with the Spanish, a little bit with, um, what, what else did we do? We did Elevate, um, Prayer, Encounter, thank you. And so it's, it's wherever you feel led, and, and it's different seasons throughout different times of the year. But God, God's calling you guys. God already opened up that door, and you just got to just walk out. Oh, I almost fell. So don't be, don't be scared. Um, so here, this is what it is. Take responsibility for playing a part in the body of Christ. And that's a heavy responsibility, guys. But you are responsible. You are responsible. Don't start blaming God right now. You're going to be like, why did you put me in this church? You are responsible. You walked in this church. You can get out too. Right? Pete just talks about that all the time. There's literally a church right across from us. It's Catholic if you want to change your ways. But there is many places that you can go if this is not the church for you. But in here, we will encourage you. We will help you be rooted. We will help you prosper and grow because that's the promise of God. Right? In Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah 29, where he says, My plans for you are to prosper you, not to harm you. Those are his plans. Don't you want to live in those plans? Come on, doesn't that get you excited that those are his plans? He got you from out of the grave, dead in your sin, and his plans are now to prosper you. At your workplace, you're probably a nobody. In your family, you're most likely a nobody, especially now coming to Christ. But with God, in God's plans... He wants to prosper you. He wants to grow you. Rooted where he, you can't be moved. Come on. It gets me so excited. Um, this is my point number three here. Being rooted and fruitful isn't just for the people of the world. Right? This is, this is for us. This, is, this was actually meant for us, but the world got so good at it, got it done. Right? They actually got it done. And so they're at places that we ourselves have not reached. And there's a few. There's a few that have reached that place, and we look up to them, and we pray for them, and we encourage them. 
but we want more and we need more. We need people in different places. That's why you're not supposed to look like me. That's why I'm not supposed to look like you because you're supposed to call people that I can't call, reach people that I can't reach. We have an end goal here and it's for people to be saved. This all has to do with reaching the lost. Every single thing is about reaching the lost. It doesn't matter if you're called to full-time ministry. Your life is now trash. That's what the Bible says. Your, 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 your past life is nothing. And now you're alive in Christ. And it's to bring the gospel. It's to bring people to salvation. And so... By us being rooted and being fruitful, this could, be, this could mean a lot of things for different people, right? It could be financially. It could just be uh, in, in, in your own character. Because, again, we're not all called to be rich. Some of us are called to be missionaries, and we will pay for you to be a missionary, right? And some of us are called to fund that mission, that mission, the missionary. And so whatever part you are going to play, you have to get to it. Another scripture, it says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Many of the times we don't want to walk through the door because we're saying, well, I don't have all the money. Well, I don't really have uh, the place to gather the people. Well, I don't really have the things that I need to do what I want. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, but seek first his kingdom with whatever you have. Right now, take a mental note. What do you have? What has the Lord given you already? It's in your hands. You're going to seek the Lord with that. You're going to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be given to you. Everything else. What are, the money that you need, he's going to give it to you. The house that you need, he's going to give it to you. The supply that you need, he's going to give it to you. But it's with what you have right now in this place. When me and my husband got married, it was very spontaneous. It was during the time of COVID. So a lot of the times we couldn't, um, well, we, we couldn't get married because it was during the time of COVID. And so... We had decided to reschedule the whole thing. We're like, okay, we're just going to get married sometime later on this year, hoping that it would just be over with. But we said, no, we don't want to give up our date. And so the date we had already established that we were going to get married. Long story short, we ended up getting married that day. It was super small, super simple, super very spontaneous because, again, it had already been canceled. So we didn't have a place to live. Okay, we got married, and then I was still living with my roommates, and he was still living with his parents. I know, right? Um, we went on our honeymoon, and it was amazing, but when we came back, we were in Minnesota. When we came back, we are like, man, we, need, we want to live together, obviously. We want to be, that's why we got married. Um, obviously, that and that, because the Lord had put it in our hearts, guys. But um, he the first place that we got was actually a small little room. We didn't have a big place. We didn't have an apartment. It was actually a room in a basement in my aunt's house shared with another guy that lived in the other room. So it was kind of awkward, kind of weird. But where I'm going with this is that we did not care. We were inviting people there. 
all the time. We were having parties in our small little room. I had a little prayer time with a bunch of girls. People were getting prophesied. We were watching movies with brothers and sisters because we knew and we understood that fellowship was important, being connected was important, discipling other people was important. I don't care what I have. I do not care what I have. I want to do the will of God because my past life was no good. Come on. That's the place you have to be. I don't care what I have and how I have to do this. God is calling me to do it. It was always in my heart and my husband's heart to do the things of God first. Even when we didn't have a lot of money, many of those times we just said it's a potluck. Bring some food because we don't have a lot of food. And you have to be okay with that. To some, you, you have the money and you have the resources before that. And that's okay. God will do it all in, in your own time. However, just be obedient. That's the lesson, right? Be obedient. Here's my last point, and if we can have Daryl come up to the keys. <laughs> Get up for Daryl, guys. Come on. <laughs> this church is amazing. I love this church. If you didn't know... The guy that was in the drums, that's my husband. So we had my child be taken care of by another sister here. The church is amazing. I need the church. You need the church. And you're not going to be able to be blessed by the church unless you allow the church in your life. So allow the church in your life. But this is my last point. And it says like this. God, and if you guys, you guys can stand. God is saying, accept the challenge. Because in this verse right here, verse 5, this is what the Lord is saying, the response to Jeremiah. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? The Lord is saying, this is not it. There is more. But you have to go through this. He's comforting Jeremiah, right? He's comforting him and letting him know, this is not it, Jeremiah. I need you to move over this. There's actually more. But you have to go through it. And it's almost like a joke, the way he responds, the Lord, right? But I know some of you guys can relate. When you spend time with God, there's like, there's like, there's a relationship between you and God, and he responds to you in such a way. And this is the way he talks to Jeremiah. Find how the Lord speaks to you. Amen? But he is saying, accept the challenge. God revealed that this might be a challenge right now for all of us as the body of Christ. It might be so hard to step out and walk through the door. Right? But as I'm reminded of, of last week, God has risen. Right? Jesus walked out of that grave. He has defeated death. You as well. You as well. If you are here, you have walked out of that with him. And therefore, you can walk out and do what he's called you to do. And so much confidence and boldness. And so let us all close our eyes. Let's bow our heads and allow the Lord to minister to us in these last few minutes. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for today.
we thank you that you speak. You were doing it all throughout the transition and the songs. You're so good at coordinating, Lord. It's not us that make things happen, but it's just you. And so right now, I want you to envision your own life. And by, by your own life, I mean your house, your car, the things you have, the things you own, the things you already possess. They're all around you. It's yours, right? The Lord has said, this is yours. Your house, your home, your car, your work, your wife, your husband, your family, it is already yours. You possess it. If it's challenging, accept the challenge. If you're complaining, change your mindset. Change your mindset into trusting the Lord so he can make your path straight. If you're comparing yourself to the neighbor that's next to you or the people that you watch on social media, take the responsibility to change your life if you're not happy. And now he says, be rooted and fruitful. Be rooted and fruitful. Grab on to the stuff that he's already given you and be fruitful with it. In one way or another, be fruitful with it by walking out. So if we can have the band here. And I really want us to sing the song. Worthy. Hey, how does it go? Worthy are you, Lord. I'm really bad at singing. No, I don't know how it goes. That's the problem. I forget the lyrics. It's it's worthy. You are worthy. Yes. Thank you. Now, why do I want this song? Because if you don't want to be fruitful, if you don't walk out the door, you are literally saying he is not worthy. You are saying he is not worthy. For me, I couldn't. I could not. I could not stay behind the doors. I had to go through the door. I had to. It was not an option. So make it not an option right now. Make it not an option because he is worthy. He is so worthy. And if you don't have a testimony, because that's what keeps me going. It's what he did. It's what he did in my life that I'm like, he's worthy. He is so worthy. If you don't have that, I want to encourage you to come up. And if we could get the altar, uh, altar workers, because he is worthy, worthy of all. Bring back the reverence. Come on. For your name. And give me the fear of God. Fill me with wonder. And we the hunger, make me desperate, restore the fragrance of my worship, and cleanse my eyes, oh Lord, I need to see you face to face, 
Come on, I want to see the Lord face to face. He's worthy. as grace there is grace upon your life because you're alive and right now you are giving your your you're giving yourself an option you're deciding I'll serve him today and tomorrow you'll give yourself another option I'll serve him tomorrow but there will be a day there will be a day there is no option there is no option you will serve him either here or in eternal hell but you will serve him he will give you destiny but right now there's an option to feel heaven on earth heaven on earth here today on my everyday I feel it and I'm inviting you to feel it on a daily basis because he is worthy he is worthy thank you Lord thank you for this service Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to come to you and not have to turn back to our sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing me to serve you this morning. You're officially dismissed. God bless you.